The Financial Secretary phone-in with Hugh Chiverton and Peter Lewis. Call 233-88266 or email backchat at rthk.hk. Good morning. Welcome to the programme. I'm Hugh Chiverton. Over the next hour, it's your chance between now and nine o'clock to question the Financial Secretary, Mr John Jung, on the budget that he delivered on Wednesday. You may remember he announced tax and short-term measures of some $38.8 billion, including tax breaks and reduction of rates and business fees, but not including the rent relief of public rental housing tenants, which has been a feature in the past. He also announced plans to nurture innovation through support of the Science Park and special funds, singling out fintech, fashion and film, among others, for support. All this leads to planned government spending of some $486 billion in the coming year. Do you like the way your money is spent? How do you think it addresses need in the short, medium and long terms? Are you happy with where the cash comes from and where it's going? If you want to talk directly to the Financial Secretary, he's here waiting for your calls. His number, 233-88266-233-88266. Or if you can't get to a telephone, you can email Email us and the address is backchat at rthk.hk. That's backchat at rthk.hk. The telephone number once again, 233-88266. Mr. Jung, good morning. Thank you for good joining morning. us. How are you? Joining us once again. Peter. Good morning. Good morning, morning. Mr. Jung. I wonder if I could start more or less at the point at which you started your budget speech, which is with the economy. Now, you forecast economic growth this year just 1% to 2%, Mm -hmm. far less than the 2.4% that the economy grew at last year and a lot lower than what the IMF itself is forecasting for Hong Kong this year. And you set out the reasons for that gloomy forecast in your budget and say that we're in a new economic order. Could you explain a little bit by what you mean by that, by a new economic order? Actually, uh, we haven't been living in normal times since the financial crisis in 2008. Uh, since 2008, we've been going through a, uh, a low interest rate period, low growth period, high unemployment period, and low demand period. And for Hong Kong as a uh, uh, externally oriented economy in which our, our trade takes up about four times our GDP. That hurts. And we have seen our growth in, 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 in trade activities, including service trade, have been going down. And, 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 and that affects our growth rate quite, quite substantially. Uh, and, and so last year, we were only able, able to make the 2.4% growth and that is substantially lower than our trend growth rate in the past, which is about three and a half mm-hmm. and so forth. Uh, so so, so we, we need to adjust. We need to adjust. But this year is going to be particularly bad. Uh, America is basically the, the only bright spot, and that is not shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, Europe, some of the countries are already in recession. Japan hasn't done much for the last two decades. Uh, now even some of the new the the, uh, uh, the developing economy, the emerging economies, uh, they are facing trouble, particularly those that require to export commodities. Uh, you see Russia in trouble, you see Brazil in trouble, and even some of our neighboring emerging economies uh, are devaluing their currencies. So this is a, a, a bad situation on, on the outside. And and, and, and we see that's not only affecting our trading commerce sector, it's also affecting our tourism sector. Mm. 
because people have less money to spend, uh, and and people are devaluing. So so compared with our our currency, which is pegged to the U.S. dollar, uh, we seem our we we're quite quite strong. So so in, in that way, it's really affecting our economy a lot. And since 2008, we've been relying more and more on the domestic consumption, and and, and that has been the the, the pattern. Uh, that, that we have been m- m- moving in, and 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 so we were predicting a much lower uh, growth rate. You may have noticed that last year we we, we predicted, we forecasted a, a, a spread. I use a spread of two two points, a two point spread, because it was a lot more uncertainty. This year we are more certain, but unfortunately in the opposite direction. So we're looking at one to two percent growth, and. You know that 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 is just a range. Uh, for, for for a lot of the the other forecasters, they they may start at a higher rate. Uh, usually, IMF they had, they would adjust it about four times in a year, yes. uh, and and they would get more accurate as they get clo- clo- closer to the end of the year. Uh, but I think you know we, we are quite quite sure. And if if uh, if we don't run into any sort of economic problem, we should be able to uh, to achieve uh, that range of one to two percent. What what do you expect from the Chinese economy? The Chinese economy is also facing quite a lot of headwind. Quite a lot of headwind. They are not growing as it, as they have done in the past uh, in double digits. Uh, but I don't think we can expect the world's second largest economy to continue. To grow for in, in double digits, they've done so in about for about three decades. So, but I think you know they they are predicting a growth rate of about six point nine seven percent or so. I think they have enough policy levers uh, for them to to achieve that. Uh, I mean, as you know, to to get to certain GDP, there, there are a lot of different components. That, that, that you can do in you know, the external trade, you can deal with uh, domestic consumption, investment, and, and so forth. They have enough levers to, to deal with that. And the interest rate, unlike uh, the Western countries, are not close to zero. So, so there is still a lot of policy room for them to, to do that. So I think they would be able to, to, to deal with that. But they are fa- facing headwinds as if, you know, the, the, the entire world. And that is exactly what the new economic order mm. is, that the world is getting closer. And we are now, a, a lot of this is, uh, we, we, we're seeing the emergence of a lot of the, the new technology that people could actually do a lot of business from the North Pole. <laughs> all, all they need is to, to, to get linked in uh, with the world through the Internet. And, and, and they can do business there. So on, on the one hand, we're seeing more and more markets around the world. But at the same time, we're seeing more and more competition. So this is a situation that, that we have to manage. This is a situation that we, we, we need to get a, a good grasp of and, and try to take advantage of it. So given that we have this new economic order, and it sounds like this means lower trend growth, more competition, more challenges for Hong Kong, they really demand quite long-term, far-reaching changes and reforms to make sure that we can compete and uh, with, with the other economies around us and so that economic growth can pick up again. Do you feel that you've addressed that in your budget? Because your budget is quite long on short-term measures, which are you know, going to stimulate the economy in the short term, but there, there seems to be less about some of those long-term changes and real structural reforms that, that, mm. that need to be made um, to, to try and meet this new economic order. 
I think, in, in fact, the way that we have, we have been set up, uh, we are extremely externally oriented, and our strength lies in the areas that would be in huge demand in, in many of the countries. Stuff like commerce, logistics, professional services, uh, uh, you know, financial services, all of these things are in huge demand. How can we uh, exploit that further? How could we export more of that? Uh, and that's why I have also mentioned that the, the, the Belt and Road Initiative is an opportunity. It's not something that will come overnight. It will take time. But this is the time that we can learn more about the 65 countries along the Belt and Road. Uh, and then we, we can try to export some, some of our services, which is quite needed. And those are our strengths right now. And, and, and I think you know, there, there's a lot of room and there's a lot of opportunities for, for us to grow on that. And, and meanwhile, we need to, to find new markets. And I also talk about we, we, we need to change the modality of our businesses. A lot of our businesses still follow the really traditional route. And now we, we, we may, need, we, we may need, need to change. And we have been doing that gradually. I don't think these things, you can come up with one initiative, a silver bullet, and sort of change and restructure the economy. Actually, we've been doing that all along. And our business sector has always been very nimble. They are very receptive to a lot of these things. And people are changing. For example, a lot of people talk about how we are lagging behind in, 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 uh, in technology and all of that. But in fact, a lot of that are happening. In fact, a lot of the new discoveries and all of that have been bought up by a lot of the, the major companies in the world and become components. I mean, as you know, one of these modern phones nowadays have thousands thousands of different components and I, I know for a fact that many of our little companies in Hong Kong contribute many of the small parts in, in, in these things and this is what, what we are doing and we are trying to, to sort of massage these things uh, push them toward a certain direction. I think because one of the criticisms made of, of, of the budget was that it was kind of lacking though in, in those new ideas this is a point made by an executive councillor by Regina Yip said that there was, there was nothing innovative uh, in the budget how would you defend yourself against that? Uh, I mean, a, a lot of people expect something dramatic to happen every year in, in the budget so that they would catch the headline this is not the way that we should operate. At least this is not the way that I operate. Uh, a lot of people would think that, you know, have a crisis, deal with the crisis, get a lot of brownie points. That's the way, I, not, not the way I want to deal with these things. I would start stacking up my sandbags a long time before the flood. And these things, you do it quietly, you do it ahead of time, and when the flood comes, you don't even notice that it happened. This is the way that I would like to deal with the, the business that we have at hand. Mm. So, so what was the overall priority for your budget? Because there seems to be quite a number of things for different groups of people. Was it to kickstart growth? Was it to alleviate social tension? Was it to try and reduce taxes for certain areas, whether it be businesses or the middle class? What was the guiding principle for you behind the budget this year? Hopefully it's all of the above. I think we are facing a whole spectrum of problems. We need to deal with the short-term issues that we are facing. 2016 is going to be challenging. How are we going to help 
the the tourism business, for example, the the retail business, for example, uh, they are facing immediate problems. We, we need to deal with that, and but in in the longer term, we need to encourage the business sector. And in fact, I don't think government should play too big a role in in the, in the market. So we want to encourage. The business sector to go into a certain direction, but ultimately it would be their decision. It would be their own commercial decision to decide which way they want to go and how how they can flourish in their business. And I think what we are doing, we're setting up a platform and providing them with the opportunities to do so. Well, just speaking of innovation and, and, and new ideas, I was very interested. Being uh, you know in the media, you, you said that you you talked about Facebook uh, and your, your presence there. You said that you'd heard views in social media that you hadn't seen captured in mainstream media. What did you hear? There are, there are a, lot, a lot of different issues, uh, little issues that the people uh, talking about their preferences, their love, uh, uh, their displeasure with certain aspects of, uh, of, of uh, for example, government policy or what other people, other their peers uh, are saying and so forth. These are not the kind of thing that you would be on the cover of our, ma- our major newspapers. So it, it creates a new dimension. It creates a, a sort of a new layer of information. And I think it's going to become more and more prominent uh, in the future, as uh, I think that the print media is going to to, to, to require a, a bit of modification uh, to 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 collect a, a lot more of this sort of bits of information. Do you find there's more discontent, even anger, revealed there than you might find in the mainstream media? I think you have to take a lot of the information with a grain of salt. Uh, Behavior, it's not in, just the information, but I guess the sentiment. The sentiment, that. exactly, mm. because in in in, the, in in social media, uh, uh, the, 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 the the sort of uh, the, uh, the the and I mean the the, the whole, whole whole standard is different. Uh, the, the behavior is quite is quite different. So you you would read a an article uh, and an analysis in a major. Paper, uh, a different way uh, than, than than you would do uh, something in, in social media, but they're, they're, they're equally relevant, uh, but, but from different angles. So you have to understand them uh, from 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 a wholly different perspective, and and I think that that's something that. Uh, we need to get accustomed to. Mm. You saw that lady commenting in the in the legislative council about uh, well about a whole raft of, uh, of issues. She was taking part in a discussion of, of pension issues, but I'm not sure if you if you saw in that. the legislative in council? the legislative councillor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a, a woman who was talking about all kinds of aspects of of life in in, in Hong Kong, it's it's been very sort of highlighted in social media and so on. I just wanted to hear any reaction to to her speech and what she had to say. Uh, that was about. This week it was earlier this week. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I saw yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I totally understand uh, mm. a lot of the the different sentiments that have been expressed, uh, and then this is some, something that, that we need to hear. We, we need to un, we need to understand, uh, and perhaps you know, more importantly, that we need to have a dialogue with. Uh, that's why I, I also mentioned that a lot of the turbulences that, that we have seen in, in the past year, uh, what we can do now uh, as a start 
we need to start a process because this is not something that could be resolved overnight. This is something that has sort of uh, been, been growing for, for some time and it's going to take some time uh, to, to resolve. But it, it would re- require us to have a determination that we want to deal with these issues and, and we, we, we need to try to find ways. But this, this is something that, that is not unilateral from any specific perspective, but I think we, need, we all need to do that. You need to do that, I need to do that, and Peter needs, needs to do but that. But of course the people in power and the government and the <coughs> authorities, they have a special responsibility, don't they? Of, of course. I mean, uh, f- for government to, to deal with the, the complex issue in our society, political, economic, social, whatever, obviously we, we, we have a role, but the role of the citizen is not any less now, those solutions need to be long-term. I remember back in 2014, you, you declared your intention to, to gradually reduce sweeteners, saying tax rebates and, and one-off relief measures would, would soon become history. But instead, we seem to be seeing even more of them. I mean, last year, they were $34 billion, which was 60% higher than the previous year. This year, short-term tax and relief measures are going to be even higher, $39 billion worth. Is, is this the right way to address long-term structural issues in the economy? Is it time to get rid of these sweeteners? As I have mentioned earlier, uh, we have not seen a normal economic environment since 2008. Uh, I have also said that <clears throat> the external side uh, is, weak, is weakening uh, year to year. Uh, we haven't seen much growth in demand in, 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 in the Western countries, which have been our traditional markets. Uh, so when when the external sector goes down, we have to need we need to rely more and more on the domestic sector. Mm-hmm. Domestic sub- consumption becomes more and more important. In a lot of the you know the uh, the Western countries, uh, what they are doing they are doing they they you know, they they uh, they uh, what they they are doing QE mm-hmm. they are doing quantitative easing, which isn't working for them. <coughs> Which is working for them, but but this is something that that they need to do. What they what they actually intended to do is to get uh, get more money mm. into Main Street, so that people can spend and increase consumption. But it hasn't happened like that, though, has it? For them? Be, be, I mean, it hasn't happened Japan because they they're using the wrong tool and the money got stuck in Wall Street. Mm. So the financial market have been very active, but it hasn't done much mm. in Main Street. What we are trying to do in Hong Kong, we haven't got the quantitative easing tools. We haven't got that because we are linked to the U.S. dollar. So what we've been trying to do since 08 from time to time is to get more money into the hands of the people so that they can increase their consumption. And we have found that to be effective. In the past few years, on average, the stimulus impact on our growth on average, it's about 1%. So, for example, this year, we are predicting a 1% to 2% growth, and without, and without the stimulus measures, we, our growth rate could be close to zero at, at, the, at the worst case You had case a very scenario. precise calculation. You said it would be 1.1%. 1. 1. 1. How, how do you that's, calculate that? I will leave it to the economists. <laughs> give them but you're the, quite confident with that. It's definitely 1.1%. Give them the assumptions. They can come up with a number for me. 
but often these measures, you know, those types of measures where you put, you know, a dollar into one person's pocket, it's normally coming out of someone else's pocket. So even if one person has an extra dollar to spend, someone is paying for it through, through either higher taxes or taxes that, you know, could have been lower, and that reduces their spending. So how does this add, right. add up? It's, it's, it's a zero-sum game, isn't it? It's a, it's, a perp- it's a really complex calculation, uh, and I'm sure the economists who help me calculate these numbers have taken into consideration uh, a lot of the different issues uh, based on the, uh, the assumptions that we gave them. Okay. Uh, our number is 233-88266 if you want to talk to the Financial Secretary. He's here ready and waiting to uh, hear your comments and to uh, answer your questions uh, on his financial plans for the uh, coming year. The budget highlights, the budget he delivered on Wednesday. The number once again, 233-88266. Uh, and if you can't get through, do call in now, please, early, because everyone always calls at the end and then we can't squeeze you in. So uh, now's your chance. Uh, uh, if you can't get to a phone and then you can email us as well. Backchat at rthk.hk. We've got a few questions uh, on through email. Okay, to our first call, Andrew. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Hugh. How are you? Hey, I'm doing fine this morning. Go ahead. All right, uh, firing away, sure. Uh, Mr. Tong, uh, congratulations on the budget. I'm hearing lots of kudos from strange quarters, places uh, people that are normally your critics are saying they're, they're actually quite okay with this budget. i got piles of questions, but I'm going to stick to one of the big picture ones which goes to uh, the 20%, the government spending as a percentage of GDP, which is going to take a dramatic turn upwards above the, uh, you know, 20, 20% was always kind of the, the magic, if somewhat arbitrary number. We see it heading well north of that. And, you know, looking at your projections, it doesn't look like it's going to come down until uh, 2019-2020. But, you know, that, that is, I have concern around that. I, I love your copper weighting and flourishes in terms of operational efficiency, but have concerns about the government getting bigger and making up a bigger part of our lives. Can you can you comment on that and why you're confident that you can get the trend back down towards 2019-2020? Thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, that is also a, a, a big concern of mine. Uh, we have been operating uh, on the premise that we want to maintain the, the, the public sector at about 20% of uh, GDP. Uh, what, what that means is that we don't need to raise more than 20 percent uh, of of our uh, of, the, of, of GDP for our revenue year to year, and that has been able to help us keep our uh, keep our tax structure simple and and low. This year we are, we are looking at about 21 percent. We're looking at 21 percent. Uh, so I mean, strictly, we, we are not talking about. Exactly 21%, 20%, but over a period of time, we'll try to maintain it at 20%. And we'll, we'll try to achieve that. And I think we're still able to do that, uh, to, to, to keep it at, at about, at, at about 20%. Uh, you know, the, the, what, a couple of years ago, we worked on a report about long-term fiscal planning. And what, what it tells us is that we, we need to to work on uh, our, our finances uh, f- from three different angles. We, we need to control our expenditure, and, and, and that's extremely important because government has a tendency to sort of grow layer after layer. And this year, uh, what I have done is, is to come up with a not particularly popular, what we call the zero one one uh Proposal, which what it means is within three years, I'm asking my 
departments、uh, to give back their allocation, one one percent of the allocation in the second year and the third year. Uh, I'll take take that back because I want them instead of asking them to do a zero base budget to look at everything you know, from from the, from the zero every year. I just want them to give me one percent so that they need to look at the the entire allocation and try to reallocate、uh, their their priorities. And I, I take the 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 two 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 percent back in three years time. I would give it back to them only if they do new services. And I think this is the sort of thing that we need to do. And on the revenue side, we are looking at the tax structure. We are looking at another aspect, which is very important. It's called the fees and charges. We want to urge the the relevant departments to go back、uh, to the system of uses pay. If you are using government services, you pay for it, except for those services that we have a clear policy to subsidize. And we have been quite effective, and in in in, in the past few years, we, we've been increasing our income in that about 400 million a year, and so we, we're going to be continue doing that. And on the savings side, these are all just as examples. I've set up the future fund. The future fund basically is an investment strategy. Take out 200 million dollars, put it in much longer term investments. Hopefully, that will give me a better return,、uh, and. And give us more more protection for the future. So we are working on all fronts to to try to、uh, to deal with our fa- you know with a, a possibly difficult future that that, that we, we may be facing.、Uh, and and so I'm totally cognizant, Andrew, that the the twenty percent is something、uh, though is not law, but this is a a good guy that that has been. Working for us, and we have every intention to maintain that. Okay, Andrew. Hey,、uh, I just—I、uh, will just comment. I do know the zero one one program, and it might not be popular with the people that are implementing it, but it's popular with my crowd. <laughs> so keep on it, and I hope your successors, John Tong. You know, because we're of course, you know, hope your successors stick to that plan because the、uh, that discipline to come back to the twenty percent might not, you know, might might not be followed by future financial secretaries. So I guess you're going to have to stick around <laughs> to、uh, keep your work. Okay, thank you very much. Thank, thank you very much. I think I think that that that's to- totally fair, and with the the zero one one proposal. I don't apply that to to some of the departments, which is、uh, I mean the, the the greater part of of their expenditure concerns a salary or, or or subsidies and so forth. That these are the things that they would have difficulty、uh, to to manage. So we make some exceptions、uh, instead of asking them for one percent, I may ask them for point five or something like that. So so there are exceptions to that.、Okay. We have Craig on the line. Good morning, Craig. Yes.、Uh, hi. Good morning, Hugh, Peter, and FS. Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm very well. Okay.、Um, my wife and I are from a typical group of your core taxpayers. We both work, and before we had children, we're in a good financial position. It's not until our kids came along that we discovered the horrors of the local government-funded schooling system, and we quickly realised that local schooling was not an option for our kids. Okay, with homework till 10 p.m. for six-year-olds and the lack of English language instruction, national education, etc., we therefore have no choice except to send our children to an international school. When will there be a section in the tax return form where I, where I can enter my kids' schooling fees and enjoy a tax reduction on those fees? 
After all, I've removed the burden of educating my children from the government. Yes, uh, no, we, we do uh, put a lot of emphasis on, uh, on, on education, and indeed education is the, is the largest, largest component of my expenditure every year. It's, it's over 20, 21%. Uh, it's huge. It's, uh, it's about $75 billion this year. Uh, so we're spending a lot, a, a lot of, men, uh, of money in that, and, and I know a, a lot of the uh, the taxpayers in Hong Kong are also, you know, have uh, have a, a, a different choice of uh, uh, picking international schools or some some of the the, the private schools of of, of their choice. Uh, this is an issue, and I, I've heard many people said that, that perhaps uh, that the school fees for the children should be. Uh, a tax exemption or something like that. We've been thinking about that, but we're also thinking about you know the the, the whole issue of uh, of fairness uh, and, and so forth. And, and 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 this is indeed a a, a large expenditure. And 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 uh, uh, sorry. No, go on. Sorry, yeah, go on. No, and so. So, so this is uh, you know, some, some, something that we, we were con- con- concerned about. But I, I think what we need to do is really to uh, improve uh, the, the quality of the education uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, and indeed, uh, according to a lot of the, the international studies, uh, the educational level in Hong Kong is indeed not bad. Uh, and I, I think, you know, you know, obviously, it's the choice of uh, of the parents, but I think a lot of the parents could could really uh, can, can, can consider the the, lo- the local schools in Hong Kong uh, because the, the the quality level is is really uh, quite good. Craig. Okay, well, so if, if we're not going to see any kind of um, 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 section in the tax return um, document to allow me to enter the school's um, uh, fees, how about um, taking the unit rate, as you say, you know, 75% of, of the tax rate goes towards um, schooling. So there must be a unit rate per child in, say, primary education. Let's say it's $50,000 a year that you have to um, put towards their schooling. Mm-hmm. So why don't we have, say, a voucher system where um, any parent can take that $50,000 and steer it in the direction of any school of their choosing? Maybe that would address the issue of fairness that you just um, mentioned in your first reply? Right. No, in, in fact, uh, we do think about that a lot, uh, but we, we also don't want to make the tax system particularly complex. And what we have done, actually, in the past three years, we've been raising sort of the, the child allowance, uh, and, and I think this is one way that we want to, to deal with the issue, and that have been raised uh, consecutively in the last three years. Okay, thank you very much indeed, Craig. Our number once again, 233 Our next caller uh, is Peter. Peter, good morning. Okay, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, good morning, uh, Financial Secretary. Good morning, Peter. Um, uh, do you know, I, I just feel a bit uh, uh, regret because yesterday I could not phone in uh, the Chinese uh, Radio Hong Kong because uh, uh, that's my mother tongue. Anyway, I try to speak in, 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 in English. Uh, um, uh, uh, yesterday morning, I heard a woman, uh, she said uh, she lived in the low-cost housing, and then uh, last year and the, and, and the year before, uh, she, has, uh, uh, she only paid, I think, about uh, 15 to 20% uh, of rent of the market rate, 
for her low-cost housing flat, and also on top of that has the exemption of race, and also have uh, one or, or two, two months of uh, exemption of rent. But uh, this year she has she hasn't got that exemption of rent. She feel regret. But now I just want to think. Uh, 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 I just wish the financial secretary to pay attention to the old people. They are retired. They have no chance to enjoy the benefit of living in the low-cost housing flat. But now they have no income. They only have their own, only one one flat, and uh, and uh, only, and uh, and solely for dwelling purpose. And then, but they still have to pay rent. And then they have very little saving. Because I consider rent, uh, no, no, so, uh, 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 not rent. I'm sorry, rate. They still have to, to pay rates, and then I consider rate as a tax. It's, it, it, it is not any subsidies by the government or any gift. And then I just uh, wish whether the uh, financial secretary can consider maybe next, start, starting from next year or this year, uh, to uh, whether for the old people they're retired, they're over sixty, have no income can have uh, them uh, a permanent uh, exemption of race and in order to let them have more money to spend now they're getting older and all older they still have they have a lot of uh, uh, medical expenses uh, and, and repairing houses expenses paying the uh, management fee so, many, so, many, Peter, many, sorry, many sorry. so you're suggesting a, a sorry an exemption on rates for for old people and you also yeah. mentioned the uh, and also the the public rental housing the the uh, the one month uh, waiver of uh, rental which has been a feature in the past that's not in this year as well and then I wish uh, forever in the future when the people they are at the retire, uh, they after they have retired they have no more income, whether the government can consider them to have exemption of race. Okay. Just, just 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 let them do not have to uh, just let the old people they stand on their own feet. Not everybody queuing up queuing up for low cost housing flat. Okay, Mr. Zhang. Actually, we do. Uh pay a lot of attention uh, to elderly services, uh, particularly in this last few years. Uh, and in, in terms of expenditure for helping old people, or pro- providing services uh, for old people, people over 65 and so forth, uh, the, the growth uh, the, in this year, I mean, we are spending about $7.4 billion uh, just on the uh, some of the service that that, that uh, the that, that we are providing, but I think more, more importantly, uh, uh, we, we, we are we are cognizant of, of, of the issues that, that that you have raised, uh, and you know, and we are also trying to find different ways. And, and one of the things that uh, I've been trying to work with the, the mortgage corporation instead of uh, re- reverse mortgage. This is particularly uh, relevant for old people who, who lived in their own flats. And these are the people who, who may need to uh, uh, pay rates uh, for, for, the, for the private sector flats. And, and that has been become, becoming more and more, uh, more, more popular uh, with the old people. And we're trying to uh, to, to, to increase the usage of that, and, and I think that, that that could be useful. What about the public rental housing? Why didn't you give the free month? Uh, I mean, as but you didn't we, give we, the rate relief. Yeah, that's right. And we, we, as you have mentioned, uh, a lot of these are, are one-off measures, and I think we, we, we need to adjust them from time to time. Uh, and, in fact, we also heard a lot, a lot, a lot of... Uh, 
uh, views of, from from the public that in fact people living in public housing are already, already enjoying a, a pretty big extent of, of subsidy because on average people in public housing pay an average rent of about seventeen hundred dollars, which is way below uh, the market rate. So so this is and you agree with that? Do you think that people in public housing are getting enough as it is? I'm not saying they're getting enough as it is, but this is a a, a big a big subsidy uh, compared with private housing, because mo- most public housing on average is only seventeen hundred dollars uh, uh, per, per month. Uh, so I, I think, and and what we have done this year, uh, we we have not uh, uh, provided. Uh, the rental subsidy, the the, the rent, rental, the, the one one month rental, but we have uh, arranged a a, a a make a different arrangement in terms of rates, in terms of. But rates. those are completely different people. They're different people. No, who, no, who it's benefit. the same people because the people in public housing also get the rates back. And last year, the housing authority uh, gave the. The rates that, that that we have returned to them, they they're the owners, to the individual households, and each household per quarter got seven hundred more dollars, on average. So so this year, instead of two quarters, we are providing exemption for four quarters. So I think that that make, make, makes up, you know, quite quite a large part, if not all, of, of the. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of people have considered that the, the loss uh, they have in, in, in this particular uh, initiative. But it does seem that the, the poorest are the ones who are really lost out from this budget, haven't they? Because they lose things like the rent waivers, they don't get the benefits of all these tax reliefs. They seem to be the... the, the and and that, that seems to, to be a, the, 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 the wrong understanding of it. Uh, the short-term measures take up no more than 8% of my expenditure. I think what you need to look at is the total expenditure that we have. The total expenditure this year is close to $500 billion. And this is an increase of 14% over last year. And most of this overall expenditure is spent in the livelihood issues, in education, the biggest in item, social welfare. The biggest item is infrastructure. No, 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 no. In... in, 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 in Education is expenditure. 21%. This is your this is your chart. You've got here uh, the uh, elements. You've got education. You've got health. You've got social welfare. You've got infrastructure. And infrastructure is bigger than education. It's bigger than health. It's bigger than social welfare. That that is also important, but it's spread a, a lot of the, the money may, may not be spent in one year. A lot of it is really spread over. This is expenditure a, a of, for 2016, 17. But with a lot of it, we, we still need to go to the legislative council, and many of it is already stuck. In well, the I think the legislative council, council is trying to re- trying to reduce that, not to expand it. But the point is that you're spending more on infrastructure than you are on anything else. And it, and, and there was uh, there is a deep demand for that. A lot of people said Hong Kong is an island. If we don't connect up with the world, how do we do business? How do we maintain people's livelihood? We need the airport. We need the roads. We need to to use the infrastructure for business. And this is exactly what the commercial sector demands of us. And this is exactly how we can maintain the wealth in Hong Kong. And without the infrastructure, how do we proceed? Okay, Peter, thank you very much indeed for your call. Our number once again, 233-88266. And we have Mike on the line. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. 
Uh, what's your call uh, like the, for the financial sector? Well, with the, uh, you know, with the, with the economic turndown, I've noticed that my life has greatly changed. Just like to ask Mr. Zhang how his, how his, his life changed. I know that the opulent uh, salaries that the top government guys get, sometimes I wonder if it's justifiable. But I mean, you know, you've you've mentioned that you've mentioned the downturn. Has it affected your life at all, Mr. John? Yes. Has the economic downturn affected you and affected government officials? I guess. By I think I think it affects everybody in, in, in the same way. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, I mean, I see the opulence. Um, you know, we Facebook, uh, and uh, the CE's daughter gets on Facebook and starts thanking the Hong Kong people for the luxurious life that uh, they provide her. You know, this kind of stuff doesn't really go down very well. Secondly, one other point was the cock-ups that happen in government. I mean, we look at the we look at the. Uh, you know, the, in, in Kowloon, the train, the train station problems and the cock-ups that some government officials have made, are there penalties? I mean, does, uh, does the financial secretary take into account, this guy's not doing a very good job, you know, um, maybe we can replace him with somebody else cheaper that maybe works better. Mr. John? We do have... Uh a system uh, that will be maintained uh, and we hear your criticisms and we take it to heart. Okay, Mike, thanks very much indeed for, for calling, bringing the time to uh, a quarter to nine, just 15 minutes left and uh, we have a lot of callers uh, coming in so if you want to get in before nine o'clock please uh, call now. Uh, Ahmad is next. Ahmad, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Good morning, Ahmad. Yeah. Uh, can I put my question? Please do. Mr. Secretary. Okay, uh, Good morning, Mr. Secretary. Uh, I am Amod Durai, uh, the Secretary of Ethnic Minorities Concern Group. Uh, there, I can see, you know, this year you have tried to effort in this year budget to address the low-income family, and that includes the ethnic minorities too. And there are several projects and grants of government for the ethnic minorities. But still, there is no any significant impact in our community. The problem is the project and the grants is not given or provide to the right person or the capable organization of the ethnic minorities. Like, for example, in 2014 uh, policy address, uh, there was a Chinese second language policy, and the government has allocated like a $200 million. So it's been almost like a two years right now. So we can't see any significant impact of that policy. So it shows that there need to be a fair and transparent and accountable mechanism to the community. And is it the government want to work with a group of people who just like to please the bureaucrats and department, or the government want a capable, qualified, and resourceful person and organization that we can make a better society? I'm not sure what the question is. Ahmad, is there a question there or is it more of a comment? Yeah, it's my question also. The which que is? Which, what's the question? question was like, um, like uh, how the government is working uh, for the ethnic minorities community. Like more this grant and the project is given to the person who are not qualified and capable. In what, in what capacity this grant and uh, projects are being given to the ethnic minorities uh, 
community, people, and the organization. We don't have a, a particular grant for ethnic minorities. We don't have that. But I think what, what we need, what we need to look at, what we need to consider, is really uh, the growth in our li- li- livelihood uh, expenditure. Uh, for example, in in education, it has grown by about seventy percent in the last ten years, and, uh, and a lot of that is also dedicated to the uh, to the use by ethnic minorities. Uh, uh, medical services uh, came went up by about ninety percent. Uh, social welfare went up by a hundred percent, and some of the the measures that you have mentioned earlier, uh, those are recurring measures. Once they get started, it continues. And so it's not repeated every year uh, in the budget or in the policy address. But a lot of those uh, have, have, is inside the system, is part of the system, and is something that is recurring. It will continue and continue. Okay, Ahmad, thank you very much indeed for, for your call. Um, Mr. Al Young on the, on the phone. Good morning. Mr. Al Young. Oh, good morning. Uh, hello, uh, my financial secretary. Good morning, Mr. Um, good morning. So I, I, I have a question. I think uh, I just want to, re- regarding home ownership and all that, and, and the increased home ownership and property, um, but it, I, I think, you know, uh, the cost, in terms of the concentration, I'm, I'm sure that if you would do some research, that would be, you, you notice a, this high concentration of flat. Oh. Uh, a home, a single private citizen may own more than one flat and of course uh, you know flats being a necessity and not a luxury um, the fact that one person owns a flat means that no one else can own that same flat uh, should, should there be a uh, measures to 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 address this uh, in terms of say uh, taxation or a limitation on home on on uh, whereby a private citizen owns more than one residential flat uh, okay. and, and as well, in okay. terms of uh, corporations, uh, do, do, should corporations not be allowed to uh, own residential flats as they don't need to live? Mr. Chung? I think that's going Thank a little you. far, isn't it, don't you think? Uh, uh, I mean, we, we live in a society, I think, you know, uh, uh, people are allowed to own things and, and, and when... For example, if they buy a flat, they have to uh, pay rates, uh, and, and there are different measures that they, they have have to uh, they have to con- con- contribute. So I think it would be their their, their, deci- their decision uh, to, to to make uh, in terms of uh, what, what what they want to own. Uh, I think I think we we should again leave leave that uh, to the market to operate. Some people have suggested actually it should go the other way. Some of the property cooling measures that are already in place to to try. Um, slow down the market, which include things like corporate ownership of flats, the double stamp duty. It's time to remove them. I mean, property prices are down, what, 11% now from last September. Do, do you have any plans to, to remove those cooling measures or at least ease them a little bit? Well, we we are lo- lo- looking at that. Uh, but as you know, in the last few years, uh, the, the property market went up uh, you know, by, by many folds. Uh, and making it quite unaffordable for for most people, and that, that's one one of the, uh, uh, the 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 impetus for us to introduce some of these fiscal measures, as well as a series of macroprudential measures to in order to protect the, the banking system in Hong Kong. Uh, but now we we don't see any. It's not a, we don't see the suitable conditions at this point 
to make any adjustments. Uh, but, but we are watching the, the situation carefully uh, because we, we need to look at a host of factors uh, before we, we, we can we, we can determine how, how that would be impacting on the, on the economy before we could make any changes. And what would be suitable conditions? Uh, I mean, there, there, there are a lot of them. There's a whole, whole basket of them that we cannot just look at one particular number. Uh, for example, uh, the, the price of the housing, uh, the affordability level. I mean, this is something that people talk about a lot uh, in, in, the, in the past. The affordability level in Hong Kong is about 40% or so. Now it's over 60%. So this is much, much higher, which is not quite affordable. We have to look at the transactions. We have to look at the, the speculative activities. We have to look at uh, the supply and demand situation, the external economic conditions, the interest rates in the U.S. and so forth. So it's a whole, whole host of factors. But we, we are always uh, looking at that. But meanwhile, the demand for housing in Hong Kong is still huge. So... Uh, yesterday, you must have heard that the uh, Paul Chan came out to uh, in, introduce the, the the land sale plan uh, for for the coming year. So we will be continue to to, to provide the land uh, so that we can continue with uh, the increase in supply, the growth in supply, which is important. And then we would monitor the other factors. But right now, we have not seen the suitable conditions for adjusting. Uh, and any of the measures. Okay, Mr. Ai Young, thank you very much indeed for your call. Uh, just eight minutes left. Uh, uh, coming to the last chance, really, to, to speak to the Financial Secretary this year for a phone in uh, on his budget. The number, once again, 233-88266. Ms. Lam, I hope he's on the line now. Ms. Lam, good morning. Yes, good morning. Uh, good morning, Ms. Uh, Lam. Yeah, uh, Mr. Financial Secretary. I have a question regarding uh, is there any budget measures for unmarried singles who have no properties but living in a rented apartment because it has been years that we've, we can see the measures to reduce any all the rent and rates for the property owners but there's no measures for any um, singles who is paying high tax already but all the subsidies are going to, to the property owners uh Sorry, are you a tenant or, or a property owner or, or, or both? Are you saying I'm the like, tenant. You're a tenant, yeah. So you're so saying paying, you're, paying rent, but without properties. Yeah. Yeah. How would a single person, uh, a tenant, receive any benefit from the from the budget? Again, as I have mentioned earlier, I think what we need to look at is the overall expenditure, the overall way that we are trying to provide services to our community. Look at the, the growth uh, of expenditure in, in education for everyone, growth in, in uh, medical services, the, the growth in social services. And we talked about you know, the infrastructure that we're building, the different roles and, 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 and so forth, and, and a whole, the whole range of services, security uh, and so forth. So all, all these, uh, we, we do it for, for everyone. So it's not for any particular uh, one, one, one sector. I think that that is more important, and that's where the growth lies. 
But you, you mentioned education and, and that it's you know, the, the biggest part of your expenditure. But in fact, as a proportion of the budget, it's actually the 12-year low now, isn't it? I mean, it was about 24.5% in, in 2005. It's now gone down to 21.5%. So it, it's almost like it's not getting its fair share of the budget anymore. And it is a sector, as we heard from Craig earlier, that people are very concerned about the quality of education in Hong Kong. Should more money be spent um, on, on education? Uh, sometimes percentages are, are, are deceiving, uh, and you know as the the, the G- GDP grows, uh, you know there are a lot of the different factors that, that would affect that. Uh, but what what we've seen is we have seen absolute growth in ter- in, in monetary terms, mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what we are spending in in education. Even though uh, the 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 student population has decreased. Student population has, has decreased, uh, but we are, we're still dedicating a large amount of, of money in that. And what we need to do is to improve the quality of it. Uh, and for example, a, a, a new uh, expenditure that, that, that we have not even included uh, in this year's budget because we don't start spending until next year or the following year is free kindergarten. And, 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 and that's like six, seven billion dollars per year. Uh, that, that's a huge amount of money that, that we will be spending. So there, there are a lot of these things, that, they, they're, they're coming. We are paying a lot of attention to it, uh, and we're dedicating a lot of resources to it. Okay, Ms. Lam, thank you for your call. Uh, Anita is next. Anita, good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you very much, uh, Financial Secretary. Good morning. I have a question about um, that relates to home loan interest, the mortgage subs, the mortgage deduction versus the rental value that you have under the Inland Revenue Ordinance. Um, under the Inland Revenue Ordinance, if somebody rents a property in Hong Kong um, and they can split their their salary between the rental value and their actual salary piece, they will get a benefit for the whole time. Could be 30 years, 40 years, they're renting a property at 10%. And so they're only assessed at a rental value of 10% of their actual salary, irrespective of what the value of that property is. So somebody could be earning, you know, $100,000. They could be living in a property that's worth $50,000. So their net salary is only 50 and they would only be paying tax that rental value that's assessed as 10 percent would be five thousand dollars on the other hand you know most people in hong kong and we're talking hong kong people would like to own their own property the mortgage interest deductions the home loan interest deduction is limited to only a hundred thousand a year and there's no limit on the rental element if you rent a property but there is if it's a mortgage and that is limited to 15 years most Hong Kong people, myself included, when we purchased our property, mortgages are 20 years in Hong Kong. Why does the government limit home loan interest to previously 10 years? You've now extended it to 15 years when the average person borrows money to purchase property for at least 20 years. Whereas if somebody rents, you allow them to claim the rental benefit for 20, 30, 40 years. Okay, Mr. Chung. Uh slightly technically difficult for me uh, but what I will do, I'll, I'll bring it back and I'll put it to uh, my, my commissioner for internal revenue and I'll put the answer in my Facebook or something so that we can 
we can t- t- take a look. Okay, look, we'll, we'll, look we'll, we'll hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, the basic idea is that you get you get a you get a special benefit because uh, salary and housing benefit are taxed separately, aren't they? Uh, they're treated in different ways when mm. it comes to your to your, t- your tax return. That's um, right. So there's an unfair advantage, they're saying, for people. Uh, receiving a housing benefit separately from the salary. There, there must be a whole hi- history behind that uh, because this is something that's been going on for, for a long time, actually before my time. And I, I think we, we need to – I need to go, go back and, and take a look at the history of it before I could give a, a, a more full answer. Okay, um, Anita, we'll, we'll, we'll hold him for that. <laughs> okay, and make sure that that does appear uh, on, on the uh, on the Facebook page uh, at some point. Uh, in, in the meantime, uh, thank you very much indeed uh, for your call, Anita, and thank you to uh, all those uh, who called and uh, many many emails as uh, as well this morning. Uh, hold with a whole raft of uh, issues uh, covering there from uh, traffic in uh, Chim Sa Choi uh, to uh, biotechnology. But I'm afraid we didn't have time to to get to those. But thank you very much indeed. Thank you to uh, Mr. Jung for joining us this morning. Uh, and uh, for answering those questions. We're just coming up in a moment to the news at uh, 9 o'clock. After that, we'll be uh, returning to our regular uh, back chat schedule. But uh, Peter Lewis, your co-host today, will uh, also be joining me as uh, we talk uh, further about the budget and the implications and especially focusing, I think, perhaps uh, on the tax uh, when we uh, do that. So uh, thank you very much indeed, Mr Jung, for for joining us. Thank you. Uh, And uh, once again, you've been listening to the financial phone-in with the uh, Financial Secretary. And uh, more back chat coming your way until 9.30 after the news.